the Love Life Church podcast and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. What makes you? What makes you? Who defines you? How do you define yourself? What's your uh, elevator pitch, how they call it in business? What, what defines you? Who are you? And if you, if you define yourself by, by your parents, by your relationship, by uh, you're the, the husband of so-and-so, the wife, you, or, or by what you do, what, what you have, you know that all these things are temporary. And what happens when, when we put our, our identity on external factors then when those circumstances change, your identity is shaken. And then you end up with identity crisis. <laughs> so what, what defines you? Who, who are you? Who you are? The Bible says that you are a child of God. Now, I know you may have heard this, you know, many times, and, and it really hasn't clicked. I believe tonight um, you're, you're going to get a little bit more clarity in, about what this means. As born-again believers, we have the identity of being children of God. And not only children of God, but being beloved children of God. And there's a big difference in that. So according to the dictionary, the, uh, the word identity it means the distinct personality of an individual or the characteristics by which one is recognized or known. So this is what the dictionary says, that your identity are the characteristics that define you or the characteristics that you're known for. But um, I always like to check etymology, okay? That's the origin of words. Like, like I've always been fascinated with etymology. And, and I checked, so what's the origin of identity? And the origin of the word identity comes from the Latin word idem. And this word literally means same, same. And some of the definitions, it's same or the quality of being identical. And it, it means sameness, oneness, or the state of being the same. So identity is from where we get the word identical. So identity means to be in the same. And that's why when you identify with something, it's because you have the same qualities. Are you getting this? Okay, so if identity means to be the same, to, it means to share this sameness or oneness. Now our question is, same to what? Same to what? And again, as believers, as Christians, we, we are same to God. I know it sounds pretty daring, like same to God, but actually the Bible says that God has given us his divine nature, that we partake of God's divine nature. That means one, one, oneness, right? The Bible also says 
that we are in the body of Christ. Have you heard those scriptures? Have you read those scriptures? So that we, we belong to Christ and we are in his, in his body. The Bible says that, that we partake of the same spirit of God. The same spirit of God. You know, the, the big Holy Spirit is with our spirit. So our identity is not just a, a definition. Our identity, it's really a, a reality where we, we have that sameness to God. And, and I know this sounds big. I hope it sounds big to you because it is big, but it is also a fact. And what I love about this um, concept, actually this truth, is that it cannot be changed by something that we do or we don't do. This is a fact. God has established this. In Ephesians, uh, we're not going to read Ephesians right now, but in, in the Spanish service, we... We studied in um, last year about uh, the armor of God. The, um, the armor of God is found in Ephesians 6. If you know anything about the book of Ephesians, this is an apostle, uh, epistle from, by the Apostle Paul. It has six chapters. And the last chapter, pretty much uh, half of the last chapter, it starts talking about the, the armor of God. But the armor of God, every piece in the armor of God, are terms that have been defined since the beginning of the, the book of Ephesians. It, it's fascinating to me how um, the books of the Bible are structured. It, it's pretty cool. So studying the, about the armor of God, I, had, I, I went back to Ephesians 1, and what I found out, something that I didn't realize before, is that chapter 1, 2, and 3 tells you to do nothing. Say with me, nothing. That's true. If you read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, there's nothing you can do, nothing you have to do. Those are cool scriptures uh, from the Bible because sometimes you just want to read it. Oh, you have to do this, do that. No. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, there's nothing you have to do. Everything it's telling you in those three chapters has to do with what God has done for you. How God has given you his identity. How we partake of that oneness, that sameness. And, and you're going to find in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, you are going to find that you have been chosen, you have been predestined, you have been accepted, you have been redeemed, you have been forgiven, you have been enlightened, you are an heir with God, you have been sealed with the Spirit, you have been secure, you are blameless, and you are unconditionally loved. Is that so beautiful? Chapter 1 to 3, nothing to do. Actually, in, in those chapters, it says that we are seated with Christ. So the the... You know, people that study the, the Bible, those commentaries, they define these three portions of Ephesians as our seated position, where we just sit and let God teach us and tell us and love on us and forgive us and transform us. That's our seated position. Then Ephesians 4 to, uh, to 6, the first part of, of chapter 6, 
It's called the walking position. Because then in chapter 4 and 5 and 6, you start learning how to take the old man, put the new man, and how do this, don't do that. So that's our walking position. And then in chapter 6, when it starts talking, uh, chapter, uh, verse 10 and, and 4, when it starts talking about the armor of God, that it's called our standing position. So you see the progression that before... First, you just sit and let God love on you and tell you who you are. And then you start putting things into practice of that person that you are. And then there comes a time where you're even that strong that, that you can stand against uh, the, the attacks of the enemy. You can stand and you, you, you can draw a line and say, no, I'm not going to allow this. And this is how things are going to go. And you start operating in faith and even go in the offense, not just on, on the defense. So it, it's pretty cool. All this you find in, in Ephesians. It's, it's amazing. So go and read Ephesians 1 to 3. It, it, it's going to be amazing when you start seeing it through those lenses. So something interesting, too, uh, too, is that in the New Testament, you are going to find the, uh, the term in him, in Christ, or in whom, which means in, in Christ, you are going to find it over 130 times. That means that God really wants us to know our identity in Christ. He wants you to know who you are in Christ, who you are in him, who you are it, because of who, what he has done for you. So um, in, in Ephesians also, we, we, we find our, pos, our position in Christ. And this is that where he is, we are. And this, this is a little heavy when you flip it, and that means that where you are, God is. So... You're going to find, when, when you learn your identity, you find your position in Christ. Where, he, where God is, you are. And when, where you are, God is. You also find your privilege in Christ. What Jesus have, you have. That, that actually, that, that's, yeah, privilege. That's more like your possession in Christ. What, what Jesus have, you have. Like the Bible says that we are heirs with God, co-heirs with Jesus. You also find your, uh, your position in Christ. Who Christ is, you are. The Bible says that Christ is a, a, a conqueror. He has conquered. And what the Bible says, that we are more than conqueror in Christ. Jesus is a beloved son. What are we? We are beloved sons or daughters. Okay? So you see that... When you find your identity, you find your position, you find your, your, your privilege, you find your possessions, and you also find your purpose. What Jesus does, we do. And so all this is for us to learn and to understand our identity. Uh, we see that, that God, has, God has established your identity, and that means... Nothing can change it. It doesn't matter what other people have said about your identity, who you are, or they, uh, how the world tries to define you. God has said who you are, and that is who you are. And, and again, I love that, that it has nothing to do with stuff that we, we do or we don't do. So we can rest. We are 
children of God because God says so. Is that so cool? And, and we can really rest in that. I'm going to read you two scriptures. John 1.12. It says, but to those who did, uh, who did accept him, and gave, uh, he gave power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. This is beautiful. This is one of the, the scriptures that I've learned uh, at the beginning. That God has given me the power to become his child just by believing and accepting Jesus. So have you believed in Jesus? Have you accepted him? Then you have been called his, uh, his children. And then uh, on 1 John uh, 3, 1, this is a beautiful scripture, says, it says, look, behold, pay attention. This is something to look. It says, look, how, uh, see how much the Father loves us, that we have been called his children. And it says, and that is who we are. So our, my, my desire, my prayer is that Next time, or with the, you know, with time, as you keep learning, as you keep renewing your mind, when it has to do with your identity, the first thought that comes to your mind is, I am a child of God. Or like our pastor says, I am his child. He loves me. He is well pleased with me. And in my house, I made a little, um, a little picture. It's very cute on a frame. And, and it's, um, I put it in the bathroom because that's a, Sure place, we're going to read it. And it says, I am his beloved child, and he is well pleased with me. So this is our identity. Our identity is not based on any external factor. Our identity is not based on your nationality or your job or your possessions or your status. Your identity is based on what God says you are. And what are we? We are his children. And not only his children, we are his beloved children. Say with me, I am a child of God. Uh, or like, there was a movie that we watched years ago as, as women's, um, it was about Esther. I just recently saw it again on TV. And it's the story of Esther in the Bible. And she says, I am a child of the most high God. And that sounds like pretty fancy, like, ooh, okay. So whatever you want to say, you are a child of God. You are his beloved child. He is well pleased with you. He loves you. So now that, that we have established this, our, our, our identity, or how to define our identity, I need you to know, I need you to understand Two realities. I need you to know that your identity operates in two realities. Now, if you know, we are spiritual beings and we are physical beings, right? Okay, so commercial, I have a book, and, and this book goes into detail about how are we formed as far as the, the triumph beings that we are, spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit, we live in a body, we have a soul. So we are spiritual beings, and at the same time, we are physical beings, right? So that means that we live in two realms. There is the spiritual realm, and there is the physical realm. 
the spiritual realm has to do with your status. You are a child of God. The, the, the physical realm has to do with your experience. How do you experience being a child of God here on the earth, in this city, in this place, at home, at work? Your, um, the spiritual uh, realm of reality that has to do with your status it's what it's called the new man in the Bible. It's what is called the new creation. It's what is called your inner man. And the physical part of your, um, of your identity, of who you are, it's what is called in the Bible the flesh or the, the, the flesh nature, the carnal nature, the old man. Know that old man? Your old man. Okay? So... There's two realities. How many realities? There are two realities. We live in two realities. There's also a, another analogy um, about these two realities in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God, tell, God told the people of Israel, he says, listen, I have given you the promised land. It's yours. And they're like, yeah. And then God says, go and possess it. And they're like, what? I thought you gave it to me. Yeah, I gave it to you, but now you have to possess it. So the promised land given to you is the, it's kind of like the spiritual reality. But now possessing the promised land, that's the practical reality. Do you get it? Another illustration. Have you seen Dr. Strange? If you've seen Dr. Strange, we love Dr. Strange at home. If you've seen Doctor Strange, you know that that when the lady, the, the master, what is it called, the master uh, sorceress, the sorceress supreme. Thank you. When, when she goes, phew, right? When she goes like that, right here, and woo, what happens? His inner man goes out of his body, and and his physical man. It's like, ooh, just floating, like gravity is falling down. And his spirit, uh, he, not his spiritual, he, his inner man, uh, it, it, it's separated. And that's a cool, that, that's a great illustration that that inner man later on can be reading books and learning all the stuff while the physical body is, is sleeping. And so it doesn't literally happen like that. But th that gives you a picture that right now, your inner man in the spiritual realm, it's sitting in heavenly places. It's having perfect uh, fellowship, perfect communion with God the Spirit. The Spirit of God that rose, that rose Christ from the dead, that you're, you're hanging out with that Spirit. But reality is like sometimes you cannot even rose from the bed, Right? It's like, like the struggle is real. So there are two realities, okay? There are two realities. Your identity, it doesn't stop being. You are a child of God. You have that status. But also, in the two-part reality, it's about who you are. You are a child of God. You have... You know, all that Ephesians mentions. But the second part of reality, what we struggle every day of our life and what we'll, we're going to deal for the rest of our life has to do with who you are becoming. 
So there are two realities. Who you are, say with me, who I am. Is that how you say or who am I? Yeah, who I am. And then who am I becoming? Say who am I becoming? So there are two parts in this identity. Who am I? Uh, who, who, who I I am? It's it's settled. It's it's the inner man that it's like woo, powerful, eternal, amazing, perfect. There's nothing to do with that inner man. Who am I becoming? Has to do with my everyday walk, renewing my mind, learning to become more like Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? That we have to become more like Christ? That's identity. That's oneness. That's sameness. Becoming like. So who am I becoming has to do with my everyday practice, renewing my mind, operating according to God's word. So I start to look like Christ. And actually, it's so I can become who I am already. Is, is that, is, hopefully I'm not confusing you. So the key in life, when it has to do with, with our identity, is to become who we are. Become who you really are. And when we don't become who we really are, let me tell you, you are going to live lives uh, like in, um, how do you call it? Estancado. Help me. Stuck. <laughs> You're going to live a, a stuck life. Thank you to all those bilinguals. Gracias, amigos. Okay, so, so you're, going to, you're going to be stuck in life. But not, not only that, you're going to be miserable. If you do not become who you are meant to be, you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be live life frustrated. You're not going to experience and discover who you are in Christ. So let me read you. Um, let me find my notes to see where I am. Second Corinthians three eighteen. Become who you are. Second Corinthians three eighteen. It says, "But we all, with unveiling face." Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. Amazing scripture. This scripture says that as we, it says, as we behold as in a mirror. Sometimes I get lipstick in my teeth. So as we behold in a mirror who God is, it says that we are being transformed into his image. Just by looking at who God is, that is God's word, in his word, we become who God is. So we already are like God is, but now we have to become like Jesus, right? And the Bible says, this scripture tells us that as we behold as in a mirror, every time that, that you go to the, to the Bible and you read the Gospels and you read Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You are being transformed. Say with me, transformed. You are being transformed into his likeness, into his image. And you're going to go 
to another level. The Bible calls it from glory to glory. But the key is that, that we have to keep growing. We have to keep moving up in that transformation process. When the Bible says, when the Bible talks about a mirror, it's talking about a reflection. What is a mirror if not a reflection, right? So the Bible reflects to us who we are. We don't know who we are. When we come, when we come to Christ, we don't know about being redeemed, accepted, loved, forgiven, sealed. But the Bible shows us that reflection and we get to learn. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then it says that we behold the glory of God as we see God's person, his view, what he says about us, what, uh, how he sees us. We are being transformed. This word transform, it's so cool. This word transform, just uh, imagine, you know, the, the, the photosynthesis. Now, what is it called? The metamorphosis. I'm speaking Spanish. Metamorphosis. Okay, what is it called? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Okay, so, so it's a transformation. It's a real transformation. You change into a different species, into a different thing. I didn't know this. Daniel told me that pretty much all insects, not just the butterflies, all insects go through metamorphosis. They start as a little, um, what do you call it? A little worm. You had another name. Don't, I don't know. It was a different name. It sounded pretty official and scientific. So every insect gets uh, from an egg then to a little, um, to a little worm. Then it goes into a cocoon. Every insect, who knew this? I thought just the butterflies. Did you know about the butterflies? Yes, huh? Did you know that every insect goes through a metamorphosis? No. Well, now you know. Okay. And if it's not true, we blame Daniel. <laughs> okay. So every insect goes through this little cocoon, enters as a little worm, and comes out with six legs, wings, antennas. It transforms. The Bible says that this is the word that, that the Bible uses in Greek. And, and this word, it's only used four, <laughs> four times in the Bible. <laughs> okay, four times in the Bible. Right here, 1 Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians 3.18. The, the second one that we are familiar, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The other two times when this word is transformed, it's used in the, Old, in the New Testament. It's in the Gospels when it talks about Jesus' transfiguration. I know. So God is serious. God is really talking about being transformed. And God says, when you behold his word, when you see your reflection in, in his identity, you are being transfigured. You are being transformed. You have to change. This is the key of a Christian life, to be, to be transformed, becoming who we are. Who are you becoming? Because you already are, but now you have to become who you really are. And when we don't transform, now transformation 
It can take time. There's so many areas in our life that, that need to be transformed. So we're not going to, you know, judge people. As long as you're being transformed, it doesn't matter how slow, you're moving forward. You're fulfilling purpose, and you are accomplished what God called you to do here on this earth, becoming who you're supposed to be. And then, uh, of course, it says that, that we, we, trans we are transformed to the same image. Then um, in James, James chapter 1, verse 20, I, I think it's 22 to 25, 23, 24, 25. It talks about the, the hearers and the doers. Have you, have you read that? Are you familiar with, with the scriptures? Okay, so we're not going to read, but I'm just going to tell you. Uh, James, it says that, that when we just hear God's word and we don't do it, we are like a forgetful hearer. Say with me, forgetful. You're like, like a forgetful man that saw himself and then forgets how he looks. And this scripture has bugged me like for, for so, so, many, so, so long. I'm, I, did, I did a whole teaching on, on mirrors years ago, and, and I was like, I don't get it. Like, like, you don't forget how you look. Well, first of all, we have to understand that they didn't really have this type of mirrors, you know. They, they saw like, like in a spoon or, or, or in the water, you know, the Disney princesses. Uh, they, they, they didn't have like, like these kind of mirrors, According to Google, a person sees themselves in a mirror six to ten times a day. Now, a person sees themselves or himself, um, he, uh, a person sees his reflection about 60 to 80 times a day. That means when you go to the office, at the door of the church, I can see my reflection in the microwave. Uh, when you're walking to, to your car. So we see our reflection like 80 times a day. So we know how we look, right? And when you're driving, you get to see yourself. When you get your phone and you see yourself, you know, like, ah! Okay, I wasn't expecting to see that. <laughs> so we, I saw, uh, I saw, it was on Instagram where there, there's a picture, how, how you see your baby, and there's a picture of a beautiful baby, you know, sleeping, and, and it looks gorgeous. And then it says, how your baby sees you, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so sad that this is how my kids saw me. Like, oh no. <laughs> That's not the angle you, I want you to see me. <laughs> okay, so go back to, uh, to, to the scripture. So James says that, that when we just hear and we don't do, when we are not being transformed, when we are not becoming who we're supposed to be, it says, you look like, like a forgetful person. And, and again, this word forgetful, I was like, no, I, I don't get it. But then... I learned that when it has to do with forgetfulness, it's not a problem of the memory as much as it's a problem of priorities. So you don't forget because you have problems with your memory, but you forget because 
it was not a priority. And that I can testify. There are so many times that my husband has asked me to do this or do that. And because it was not a priority, or my children, it was not a priority, oh my gosh, it's like, oh, I forgot. And, and I have to apologize, or, or I feel so horrible. But something that is my priority, oh, I don't forget, right? So you forget not because you have bad memory, or you have problems in your memory. So the forgetful man, it's, it's because it was not his priority. And then I found a scripture in Psalms 119, verse 93. This is David, King David. It says, I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. And you're like, wow, now you see priority. David was talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Not even Psalms. He was writing them. He was talking about that, and he's like, I never forget those commandments because they give me life. Wow. Priority. Priority. So we see that, um, that oh, James 1.25, it says, but if you look into the perfect law that sets you free, other versions call it the perfect law of liberty, it says, and you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then you will be blessed on everything you do. So this word look, this word look has to do with, of course, looking into God's word. But this word look means to look carefully, to to, uh, to look into something. This word, it's used only five times in the Bible. Three of those times, you find it in the Gospels, when the Bible describes the apostles looking into the tomb, the, the tomb of Jesus to see if he was there. You know that that was a casual, quick look, Right? And then the other scripture, of course, is right here. And then one more, it's in um, it, one of the episodes of Peter, when he's talking about the, the prophets writing about all the things that we were going to experience. And it says, and the angels wanted to look what that was going to look like. So this type of looking is like, you, you want to know, you want to focus, you want to inspect things. And that's what the Bible says to do. When we go to the Bible, you are supposed to look with the attention of learn to inspect how God sees you, how, what God says you are, you can do, you can have. And, and as we learn more and more about our identity, who we are, we become who we're supposed to be. We learn in God's word how to live in Christ. And we learn how to walk and, and live through Christ. And we also learn how to live for Christ. And that is what God wants you to be. Become who you are. Become who you are in Jesus. If you don't, 
you, you're not going to fulfill purpose. You're not going to be satisfied. You, you are going to be vulnerable to be deceived by the enemy. You are going to allow other people, other stuff, the world to define who you are. And God says, no, no. Your identity is this sameness that you have in me. Learn, look, be transformed through, uh, uh, to the, uh, through God's word to the identity that God says you are. You are a child of God. You are his beloved children. He loves you. He's well pleased with you. So let's, God, let's allow God to transform us so we can become who we really are. Amen? Praise God. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for, for that transformation that we can obtain through your word. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit helps us to, to be transformed as we behold us into a mirror, your scripture, what you said about us, who you have called us to be. Lord, we thank you that we are being transformed to the image of Christ. And Father, I pray that, that this group, even our online uh, crowd, I pray, Father, that we are doers of the word. We are not forgetful. The reason why we are here tonight, the reason why we're watching, the, the reason why we're going to watch later, it's because our priority is God. And, and our priorities are aligned into finding our purpose, our identity in you. And Father, I believe that as we are doers of your word, we are being transformed into who we are, who we are supposed to be. And as your word says, we are blessed in everything we do in Jesus' name. And with this same attitude of prayer, I am going to invite whoever uh, is here. And maybe you are not sure about your identity in Christ. Maybe you're like, oh, okay, I like all that, but I don't know if I am a child of God. I don't know if, if I have be, uh, be, become a new creation in Christ. Well, tonight you can, you can be uh, secure. You can be sure about where you stand with God, that you're standard as a child of God. And the only thing that we have to do as we saw, it's not about what we do, it's not about what we don't do, it's by faith, just believing the love of God and receiving the work of Jesus. And, and we, we do this by a confession of faith. And if you want to do this um, confession of faith today, just repeat with me and say, Father, I thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to die for me. Lord Jesus, I declare that you are Lord. That you, uh, you, you die on the cross. You rose again. You are alive today. And I thank you that I can become to your likeness through faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations if you did this prayer for the first time, or maybe you have already done it, but tonight you just wanted to, to make that, you know, to confirm, to make sure, or, or to even to rededicate your life to God. So if you did this, congratulations. I would love uh, to know if, if you did this because I, I have a, a present for you. I have a gift for you. You get my book and you get my book, and you get my book. And, and no, I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> um, 
Do we have any hands tonight? No? How about online? If you receive Jesus for the first time, let us know, and we're going to send you that book. Uh, get get a hold of us. Just click the contact thingy that is right there. Do we have a contact button? Okay, we do have a contact button. So just let us know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll send you that book. So it was so good to be with you. I'll be seeing you here at the end of the month. Be blessed. Have a great night, and we'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.